Welcome dancing. one. Welcome all. Yeah, just a little dancing. Get you, get you started, Alex. Yeah. You're here on the 31st, last day of July 2016, upstream number 110. This one's entitled D-Tech 50, and uh, I, I almost hate saying that, to be quite honest, but uh, <laughs> it's titled D-Tech 50. We're here with Alex Bass of Cyberbytes, Inc., and as well, Blaze, editor-in-chief over at CrackBerry. Gentlemen, how are you both doing tonight? Doing fantastic. Ooh, that's a change. See, my <laughs> running is also like, you know, the pace Blaze wants to have through this, so we can get through this uh, this podcast piece here. Just a really interesting week, right? This is one of those weeks in BlackBerry where we actually have something to talk about, right? Something semi-interesting that people like y'all watching actually want to actually go and hear about. I just want to throw out there some housekeeping before we get started. We're covering the 24th through the 31st, and during that period I put out an editorial called My Passport to Privacy in my little stance and stint that I did with going back to BlackBerry 10, and it was not that bad. Do you think you guys could actually go back to BlackBerry 10 for, like, 30 days? Other than, like, it's one of those things that's, like, I, I did it for 30 days, and, like, at the end of the 30 days, I, I'm back on Android, you know? So what, what do you guys think? Do you think you could really, like, actually, for your business purposes, go back to a BB10 device right now? Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could go back to a BB10 device because just given my specific circumstances, my main use at this point outside of, like, you know, just the Pokemon Go <laughs> and stuff like that that I, I that I just generally screw around with. I mean, that doesn't really mean much to me in the in the long run throughout my daily processes of activities, right? Um, if I wanted to, you know, just basically get you know, quote unquote, get shit done, I could go back to a BlackBerry 10 device and just deal with the messaging portion and uh, and BBM, and that's pretty much it. That's all I would deal with is the email and you know, Twitter and uh, BBM because I could live without actually being on Facebook. Like, even though that the browser is there and there's third-party apps and stuff like that, I could I could give up. I could quit Facebook, no problem, if I really wanted to. And it's like you what don't even you, have to quit. You don't even have to quit, per se, you know? You could use the browser and all the other different ways you could. Yeah, ask. exactly. That's what, that's what you're saying. As a pure play phone, it is pretty freaking useful still. And that's really some. I just went come back to some of those like core things for me too. It was kind of like hardware, right? That was kind of important. Just the form factor of the passport and the three row style keyboard. There's a lot of throwback kind of features there that I think were kind of iconic for BlackBerry, like in the time of BB10 at least. You know, that was kind of the the pinnacle of BB10, so to speak, with blend and all that stuff. So, you know. I think BB10 is pretty good, and I think it still honestly has some legs left on it for people who like want to buy one now. I think you can still get a lot out of it, at least for you know the next year or two, especially because the device is already like you know two years old or something like that, right? Yeah, man. I mean, it come, it really comes down to like what it is that you want out of your phone yeah. and what you wanted to do, right? And that's that's pretty much always been the case with BB10, as far as I'm concerned. That's why. You know, it's always a little bit slightly amusing when people say, well, BlackBerry 10 is dead. Well, it's like, how do you even define what dead is? Like, I, I really don't understand it when people actually relate to it as BB10 as being dead or anything like that. It's like, it's not dead. You can continue to use it. It all just comes down to what your your use case is and what you want out of that ecosystem and what you want to do with your device, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of people out there that if I gave them a BlackBerry 10 device, like I mentioned, just for communication purposes, you know, like, you know, just Twitter or just emails or BBM and even phone calls, regular phone calls. I mean, they'd be sufficiently happy with using those devices. I'm not saying that it is something that is going to appeal to everyone, obviously. The numbers don't even support that, but it's still, you know, it's still a great system and still a, a great, um, I guess, operating system to be able to go ahead and make use of for at least a few more years. It hasn't fallen apart, so to speak. Especially so, the security piece that it has as well, you know. This is very, very yeah. obscure operating system running, a, you know, an RTOS. It's a very niche type of unique offering, to be quite honest, in that space. And that, yeah, and that's generally, like, what I say to people when they ask me, like, should I buy a BlackBerry 10 device? Well, there's really no reason not to buy a BlackBerry 10 device as long as you understand what you're buying into at that point. Like, you need to understand 
what is is going to be capable and set the expectations on those devices to be able to go ahead and suggest it. If you can make an informed purchase at that point in time, then yeah, there's still absolutely a place for a BlackBerry 10 device in the world, right? It's just the majority of the people want more out of their device. They want more of everything. And, you know, unfortunately, BlackBerry 10 is pretty much as niche as it can be at this point, so... Yeah, no, I, and I think more and more it's, it's going to become even more and more difficult where you look at, as you mentioned, like when Pokemon Go comes out, um, if that's what everyone around you is doing, it's, it's kind of tough to be that one person that can't do it. Or it's, uh, Prisma, is that is that the other big one? Yeah, um, that, that's fun. I mean, yes, you could kind of use them on BlackBerry Town if you sideload them, things like that, but you're it's just it's not the right experience for it. So you, you're giving that up as well. And it's worth it to some people, or some people just genuinely do not care. But it gets more and more difficult as time goes on. Yeah, I, it's just like I don't, I don't see BlackBerry selling a super secure phone for them to run, you know, Pokemon Go. What I will say, because we're, we kind of have tossed it into the conversation here, is that it, BlackBerry is very, very smart for, with the DTEK50 offering that 12... 600, you know, milliamp extra mobile battery. I think that that in a time of Pokemon Go is such a great upsell to the device. That is already a good price as well, you know what I'm saying? It's not bad. It's not bad. There's a lot of people right now that are going out and buying those types of mobile chargers for whatever devices they do got, you know? Yeah. So offering a device that is already kind of geared to offer that segment something, I think, is a really smart move. Because yeah. a lot of people, you got to think as well, that are coming onto BlackBerry 10 or coming on, excuse me, excuse me, coming onto BlackBerry devices like running Android and things like that, they're coming on because a family member has recommended them, right? Like Blaze, you do a lot with your family. So imagine if it's another upsell point for them that they get this extra battery, and that battery works for you know all their devices, really, you know, a tablet, another cell phone. It's kind of an interesting proposition, really. I'm excited about the price point of this DTEK50 device. Alex, what were your first impressions? Considering we talked about this device every week for you know the last two months, uh, when it actually <laughs> launched, were you surprised? Did you happen to take a look at any of the material that came out? You know, the webcast and/or uh, you know, they did a live Q&A thing on Facebook, which was pretty cool as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a little bit torn about it. Like, great, um, it, it looks like a decent device. I'm happy that they're kind of doing this and more like. The main thing that I'm happy about is that they're putting a battery pack along with it, and there's like, they're saying yeah, like sixty or seventy dollar value, which realistically you can get a fairly similar one maybe for like twenty, thirty bucks on Amazon. But regardless, you can, for as a consumer, you can take that sixty bucks or, or off the price. <laughs> exactly, matter. yeah. So like you're really looking at like a two hundred and forty or two hundred and fifty dollar phone, and in that mindset, like that's a decent price. U.S. prices, of course, that I'm talking about, but um, I think it looks nice. It looks decent. The one thing that kind of irks me a little bit is that they're really trying to sell on how thin it is, and I just more and more I don't I don't feel like the average consumer cares about that, or even enterprise really cares that much about how thin a device is. They're you like you could use that space and put in an extra larger battery. <laughs> yeah, like there's so I mean. Could you use that space and put a logo on the front of it, you know? <laughs> just, there's so much that you can do with that. And it just, I, to me, I just find that, like, come on, BlackBerry. That's like what people bragged about, like, three years ago, like, thinnest phone ever or, like, I don't know. It just, I just it, don't it, We're it. starting to sound like, like MKBHD, you know, that, like, just give me a little bit extra battery instead yeah. of the thinness, right? Yeah. I think one of the important things is that they have these consumer-facing selling features. I, I hate to say that BlackBerry is late to the game again in terms of like how they're marketing the device, you know, super slim, super light. But I think it's going to be something that is a little bit interesting when people first pick it up, right? It has that extra bit of kind of effect to create on on people who are actually using it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see. I thought, and, and Blaze, I know you you watched the uh, the webcast as well. I was very impressed with the webcast, the web launch of this phone. Um, you know, everyone involved. The fact that BlackBerry had their chief security officer at a device launch event just shows you how seriously they're taking it right now. Like, this is a secure offering. Blaze, what were some of your impressions from that webcast and kind of the media to come? Well, you know, the Facebook Q&A with Alex Thurber as well was awesome. Give us some of your input there. Yeah, I mean, I 
I thought that the webcast was pretty awesome, the way that they did it, because it was essentially something that we never never really seen done that way from BlackBerry, at least, right? Um, and having, having some of the questions that were basically introduced on that webcast, having them directly out there, like, they even basically dealt with the fact that, yeah, it's a TCL reference device that they're building off of, so they kind of left... They kind of left no real questions remaining that, like, from the hardcore audience within within that that webcast itself. Like, they even addressed the fact that it doesn't have uh, RGB light on it, right? Like, only a black player, only a hardcore BlackBerry user would even care about it having an RGB light, right? So, I don't know. It just seemed like it was very very calculated, very well organized, and basically put out there that was in such a way that was something that we haven't necessarily seen from BlackBerry before. So, I mean, kudos to them for that. I mean, there were there were a few cheesy things that were happening, and you could tell that some of the, you know, the questions were probably cherry-picked out of the lot. But, I mean, that, that comes with every scenario. Definitely, I mean, definitely. the wavy lines in the background were like, oh, well, it's the Network Operations Center. No, I don't... I, I don't really think it is. I think it's just a cheesy background, but whatever, right? It, it was, uh, like I said, it, it was overall, it was informative. It got straight to the point. It, you know, for me, didn't really leave any any hardcore questions remaining. That's right? what so, that's what I appreciated, so, you know? Like, I didn't have any yeah. questions about the device after. They covered the majority of it on the webcast. Alex, did you watch it? Did you uh, take any look at some of the media to come? They put out some videos, like kind of marketing videos on the YouTube as well. Yeah, I mean, I checked out some of the marketing videos and things. Um, I just know, like, for me, this device isn't the one for me, and that's... So I didn't I didn't dive into it as much as I have some previous devices in the past. And I think one of the things that turned me off a little bit from it, too, is, like, I watched a few videos of the Alcatel Idol 4 and 4S and stuff, so I feel like I kind of already know the device and things like that, so I don't really know what they're going to say. Like, I have a Priv right now, and I know this is this is essentially a Priv mixed with Alcatel Idol 4, like BlackBerry's Priv software with that. So I feel like I know the device without looking too much into it. Um, I don't know. The The advertising videos seem decent. <laughs> where they, they did, like, the street, uh, on the street with people, and they were asking yeah, them about security. Yeah, like... It, and realistically, if you look at... Uh, how companies go and they sell, say, like, life insurance or security home systems, you kind of need to scare people. Like, that's one of the ways to sell. You scare them into realizing how important it is. So it's like going after someone in the street and it's like, hey, can I see Can I see your phone? It's like, of course you can't see it. Like, are you insane? And it's like, well, why can't I see it? Because my entire life is on here. So you would like it to be secure, wouldn't you? And it's like, well, yeah. It's, <laughs> so it, it's just kind of, um, I thought it was clever, but I guess will it really affect people? I don't know. Yeah, those, those kind yeah, of tactics are always point. interesting. Mm. Always tough to say. Blaze, in terms of the Facebook piece that they did, they did like a live Q&A. Did you happen to catch that you know, either live or after the fact? Yeah, I mean, I caught it after the fact because I had a bunch of stuff to take care of, but I caught it um, immediately after. And I don't want to say that it was the exact same thing as the webcast because it wasn't. There were a few new things that were, were basically introduced there, but um, uh, the Facebook Live Q&A was just basically Alex Thurber and Eric Lai, who heads up the, uh, the community management over on the Inside BlackBerry blogs. Uh, handling and addressing the questions that were coming in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of overlap in terms of the questions that were, were basically coming up in ter- on the Q&A itself. And it, it did kind of feel like a little bit of a replay of the of the webcast in a little bit of a different scenario. But overall, it was absolutely interesting as well because I think there was a lot of reiteration of the messaging there um, about what BlackBerry is doing with the DTEC. Uh, 50 and and basically where they, where they're going in terms of, of who the device is for like they've they've said numerous times now that this this is a fleet device it's not going to be something for everybody so they they're really controlling the message in that regard Absolutely. about who the device is for um, what it's built around what its purpose is and 
you know, it, that that Q&A was pretty much a reiteration of that from the webcast itself. And I think that's really important um, because what I've, what I've noticed thus far, um, basically in what I've read online and, you know, just speaking to people in general, is that a lot of the, a lot of the media, basically, you know, the, the Verges and the Crackberries and the Berry Flows and whatever, are... are getting this device, we're going to be essentially doing our review of it and everything like that, and there's a very dedicated portion of people out there that are, are being a little bit nicer towards this device because of the fact that BlackBerry controlled the messaging about what it is and who yes. it's for. And, and who it's from, you know, who it's from as well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's that's the other side of it, about who it's from, and, you know, maybe they're they're taking that into consideration and relaying the message a little bit more appropriately than if BlackBerry had to just put it out and let people I, just, you know, roll with it on their own, right? They were they were very smart. The fact that they brought Maribel Lopez on for the webcast to kind of moderate and be the host is so smart because what she does is basically she's an industry analyst, right? She's already in the know with a lot of these different entrepreneurs, executives and advisors and, you know, CIOs and things like that. And if you're interested, if you look where she's been and kind of where BlackBerry are going, there's a lot of kind of crossover in terms of the different uh, technologies that they all cover. So I think it was a really smart choice to have her on as well. And you got to see a little bit of her impressions, right? She picked up the device and she's like, oh, wow, you know, that, that feels pretty light. Those small impressions, you know, added to make it seem really, really like a natural type of dialogue that they were having. So I thought it was very good. 45 minutes on DTEK50, I mean... You shouldn't have any questions after that, right? I mean, you either want it or don't at that point. They showed off cases. There were some things that were picked up on both sides. Again, they had the CSO, David Kleidermacher, there talking about the security of the device. That was a huge, huge selling point, as Alex mentioned, right? A little bit of scare tactics here and there, which I thought was actually kind of interesting. Uh, and interesting when you get it done right. In, in a natural way, as they did, kind of going up to people on the street, I thought that that was an impactful thing. It's a situation we could all kind of see ourselves in. And, you know, people in, with security these days, and, and I don't know if you guys would agree on this yourselves, but it seems like a lot of people in terms of security, like, don't care until it's too late, you know? Until something happens to them, then they start, you know, actually caring and taking yeah, actions against those things. That's what I've been saying for years is nobody cares about security until after the fact. That's when they hop on Twitter and they're like, oh, my God, my Facebook got hacked or whatever. But, you know, you need to stop and ask yourself, what are you doing as a preventative measure to go ahead and stop that from happening in the first place, right? And, you know, a lot of people don't consider that. They're, they're, they're too in the moment. You know, my account got hacked, my credit card got hacked, and I'm so angry, but yet I did absolutely sweet nothing to pre prevent it from actually happening. <laughs> D-Tech told me my security was fair, and I thought that was good enough, you know? <laughs> Alex, uh, do me do me a favor. Like, load your piv up right now, or you probably know already. What's your security standard in rate of DTEC? Is it? In, are you in the green? Are you in the nineties? I'm um, I'm curious to see myself, to be quite honest. Yeah. So somehow I I'm I think I'm considered in the green, though I have um, developer mode enabled, turned on, and a couple things like that, which bring me down. Um, but let's see right now for actual percentage wise. Receiving score, come on, Priv. I believe in you. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm in the excellent area. There's a little bit more I can do. The check marks here are developer options are turned on. Screen lock. You set a screen lock that uses a pattern. Um, I'm in a weird area right now where I have my Fitbit automatically unlock my phone, so I can actually use a more uh, proper screen lock rather than the pattern now because I don't even like unlock my phone anymore so I could bring that up trusted app sites apps that you download from sources other oh um, I think I have it so I can or install third-party apks which is obviously a security vulnerability but that's something like yeah, APK mirror that's I under really your do. developer options yeah so um I think I'm, I'm in the same time, exact but, range you are yeah. in the same exact region mm-hmm same exact one, like ninety percent with excellent, and the only thing that I have is like my developer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're all like, we're gonna install third-party APKs, and we're gonna <laughs> enable developer <laughs> mode. Those two things are going to happen on my Android, and it's like that's the, kind of the openness a lot of people want, right? You may not be able to root it, but you can still get into some of those areas, and you, know, you can still use the device. Uh, 
you know, back on DTEC 50, it's kind of one of those funny things. They've kind of hit a price point that people are more willing to jump on for. But, you know, Blaze hit it on the nail earlier. They really controlled the messaging here and how this device was kind of rolling out. And I think, a, a, you know, the device being available immediately, not like you can get it in two weeks, you know, doing a pre-order, having it out there is another thing that helps kind of catalyze on the momentum. They're really going to be able to see what the run is kind of as it starts out. And that's going to be beneficial for them. On this new DTEC 50 that you, you all are going to be getting, right, you're going to get Android Marshmallow 6.0. But at the actual events, both the webcast and the Facebook Live Q&A, they talked about other devices as well. They talked about the Mercury and this, you know, QWERTY device that is to come in this fiscal year, which could lapse us over into 2017, you know, February time frame. But even still, the fact that they're, you know, talking publicly about another device coming, another QWERTY coming, shows you that John Chen really is probably pretty committed right now to making this handset business work. You know, whatever way, shape, and form that takes seems to be pretty on the money for where they want to go. I think something yeah. as well that was you could, you could glean from the conversation is that the deal that they did with Alcatel, with, 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 excuse me, with TCL on the back end there to manufacture this reference phone and, you know, build it as, up as the DTEC, is probably pretty similar to different deals they've struck with different OEM partners, you know? There's probably not a lot of differences in terms of how the device came about. They just didn't do a lot of, you know, customizations here and there to, to, make, it, to make it different than, you know, what we see on something like the Idol 4. In, in terms of that, like, can you get an Idol 4, the $200 version, as is, not the 4S? With, does that come with the VR goggles as well, like, in terms of, like, how the devices are bundled up? No, it doesn't come with the VR goggles, I don't believe. I think the you actually, as far as I know, and from the research that I have done thus far on it, the only way that you can actually purchase an Alcatel Idol 4, I think not the crazy. 4S, just, yeah, just yeah. to be clear, not the 4S, the 4 is through Cricket, and yeah. at Cricket Wireless, it's like 199 or something like that. And that's obviously, like, they have their own deals in place and stuff like that, but that's the only place that you can actually buy an idol for. So, you know, when it comes down to it, making the comparison to the the idol 4S pricing and specs and stuff like that isn't really, you know, that's not even really on the right level. You'd kind of have to compare it to whatever else is out there spec-wise that's already on existing carriers. And even then you run into problems because it's not, you know, BlackBerry basically said that it's, likely not coming to U.S. carriers anyway, so your only avenue for purchasing it in the U.S. is through, you know, a third-party or shop library, so. Yeah, it's one of those things where I don't see that device really standing out at all in a carrier store, you know? Privilege no. having hard enough time there. Here's something that I wonder, though, and I was... I was going to save at least the, the majority of this mentioning to put it, you know, I write better than I speak sometimes. Um, I was going to save the majority of this mention for when I, <laughs> for when I actually get my, my review together. But let me, basically what I was thinking in terms of like, we all know that this is a fleet device, okay? We know the intended purpose of it. We know the security marketing and everything that BlackBerry is putting along with it. So we know the target audience and everything like that. However, I'm absolutely curious because, number one, BlackBerry didn't put any branding on the front of the device. And everybody has been, you know, in, in a bit of an uproar over not actually having the BlackBerry branding on the front of the device. To me, who cares, right? To me, as far as I'm concerned, I'm kind of thinking that maybe actually not having the BlackBerry branding on the front of the device is a smart decision because at that point in time, nobody is instantly put off by the BlackBerry name. You know what I mean? They, nobody sees the BlackBerry name. Like, no matter how no matter how you look at it, there are people out there who are like, oh, that's a BlackBerry? I'm not touching that. And it doesn't even matter. It could be the best device in the world. As soon as it says BlackBerry on it, they're like, oh, I'm not touching that. So, without any branding on the actual front of the device, and with it being a device that is not necessarily going to be showing up in carrier uh, uh, stores or anything like that, like except for in Canada. Canada, Rogers and Telus and Bell have pretty much gone all out and they said that they're going to bring the device in, right? But 
in the U.S., which is obviously a huge market for BlackBerry, they want to be able to go ahead and attract customers. I actually see the non-brand, non-existence of branding on the front of the device as a benefit because people will see DTAC 50 on the table, and they'll either make the decision. They'll be like, oh, well, I'm not going to ask about that because it's ugly, or they'll be like, what the hell is that device? Yeah. Let me see that yep. device. And then they'll I think pick the, it up. the choice was purposeful. It was yeah. they didn't it wasn't a mistake like oh we left out the logo on the front no that was like we're not putting it on there yeah and I don't know? even think That's I don't even think it was like a cost saving measure like some people have like oh well they didn't want to switch up the name plates or anything like that I'm like no man no. <laughs> to me it seems like it was purposely they did that on purpose and to me I think that that's actually a beneficial thing because again the limited availability of the device with Shop Library being one of the places to be able to purchase it. People will pick it up. They'll like it. They'll look at it. They'll, they'll like the look of it. They'll flip it over. They'll play around with it. And then they'll ask inevitably ask you, like, what is this device? There's, like, no branding on it or anything. And then you can tell them about it. And then, I don't know, man. I see that as as a very, very, not, I don't want to hype it too much and say that it's a very good thing. But I, I see it as a good thing is, you know, it, the branding being absent. It does the same thing that the name DTEC50 does, right? It deconsumerizes it. It makes it this kind of an analogous fleet device. You know, it's something that's going to be put in churn, hopefully, right, that they can really make some money on. And as Alex mentioned a little bit earlier, the pricing is kind of just right. It's not too low that it's budget, but it's high enough that you're going to make a decent margin off of those fleet sales that you do, you know, for that volume type of sale. Because you can offer discounts and then hit your volume number. So I think it's going to be beneficial overall. On your new DTEC50... You're going to be able to download the latest PBM for Android. Now, before you get into an uproar about the groups, guys, just give it time. <laughs> There's a lot of <laughs> little user interface changes. And First, we've got to talk, Alex, about Alex's favorite new tab in BBM. It's called the Discover tab. Alex, tell us what's in the Discover tab <laughs> on BBM now. That pretty much nothing. Yeah, pretty much nothing. It's that one screen that you accidentally click to every now and then on the old version of BBM, and it is now front and center. Um, yeah, I don't really understand. Well, okay, I understand why they did it. I don't think it was the most sensible the thing money. to do. It's all about yeah. the money. <laughs> And so, what Blaze is mentioning there is that DTEC, uh, not DTEC, rather, what was it, MTEC uh, uh, partnership that we saw, right? They're obviously going to be putting more content in there because right now the screen is bare. Alex, you remember that splash screen that first showed up when we first downloaded yeah. the application, yeah. Discover BBM, mm -hmm. right? If you take a look at that image, which some of you may see it here, there's a bunch of different little icons, right? One of them has a car, a camera, email, or a message, stickers, games, and then what looks like a coupon. So you can imagine what they're going to be plumbing into this, this Discover area of BBM is a bunch of, like, sponsor-type content, you know? And if they can pull in sponsors, as Blaze mentioned, money, 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 that's what it's going to be about, right? For me, I don't like it. I like groups being there. Blaze, uh, not Blaze, Alex, you, you said it perfectly earlier to me on BBM. You were like, great, take something I use daily and replace it with something I'll never use. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it feels like. I kind of like the workflow, though, in groups now. Like, the conversations seem a little bit more direct. Blaze, maybe you can elucidate what I'm trying to say here. It just seems like they're a little bit more, I don't know, contiguous. Like, they kind of have more of a flow to them than they did previously, where it's kind of bouncing out in and out of different chats prior. Yeah, it seems it seems now like even though uh, even though some of the stuff is only just like little UI changes and icon changes, it, it feels more like you're actually like in a group at that point because sometimes when you were like looking at your group, it didn't actually feel like you were in a group or it didn't like it didn't denote any sort of like real difference from like a regular chat or anything like that. But now you have like the little speech bubbles on the side that actually indicate that it, it is it is a group. It's not just a, a singular chat or a channel or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I, I aside from the Discover tab, I like what they did. Everything everything that they did aside from the Discover tab was an improvement on the situation of BBM. So what's you know you can't really complain about that. Like they added Added lists and, and pictures and everything, all of that stuff to groups in a more reasonable way, so that you can differentiate between all of the icons and everything like that. And I don't know, the UI just looks really, really good now, and it doesn't seem as 
it doesn't seem as though it was done in like a, a, a scattershot method. Like they weren't just throwing things onto the screen and hoping that it worked. Um, yeah, it seemed it, deliberate for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it, it took some of that stuff that was hidden deep behind menus and brought it forward in a cohesive way that actually makes sense. So, you know, I can't really I just, complain about it except for the useless discover tab. <laughs> I just hate like having to like swipe over to get to groups now. Like I love yeah. groups. And it's funny cuz like coming from Passport on Passport, you have such a wide screen that all the menu buttons are all at the bottom and it's beautiful. You just tap on one button and you go wherever you need to go. It's kind of awesome. There's no like side menus or things like that on Passport. So BBMs get it on the Passport. But some of the other additions that we have here are pretty cool too, right? You can retract different types of content now. So if I send a, Alex, you know, a, a naked Cartman sticker, I can actually retract that from his conversation if I need to for you know, business continuity or whatever you want to call it. But uh, if Alex ever, like, curses me out, you know, he could just take it back real quick and still get the pleasure of actually cursing me out, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and that, that, that road goes both ways, no doubt. But it's funny that I think uh, with what they're doing with VM are some really interesting things. Like, they finally, I think, fix the retraction of text and it actually just replaces the word for you. Like, I don't see any edited option. Maybe it was bugging out on me, but... It worked the way it's supposed to. Previously, I saw, and maybe maybe that's just the user feed on my device as well. That it looks like it takes the message out and puts another one in. Alex, on the other end of some of those messages, are you still seeing that retracted message and then another kind of edited piece of text, or have they kind of ironed out that functionality yet? I, from what I understand, I did it change because I I really haven't used it much since then. I I figured in the group chat that we were in, I think a few people were trying it, and someone. I'm pretty was sure that was only a BB10 thing, where like, rather than actually editing the text on your side, it showed a retraction, and then it showed the new text. I believe that was only on the BB10 side because on Android, as far as I recall, when you removed it, it retracted it but then it allowed you to go ahead and basically add new text, and it was introduced as new text. It didn't, it didn't cause any confusion because there was nothing there to show that you actually had retracted something to begin with, right? Yeah. Like, uh, at least on Android, that's how it was. But I think, I think that reflection was only on the BB10 side where you could see that somebody had retracted something or uh, removed something and then sent a new message instead. So uh, here, yeah. we just tested it right here. Um, so yeah. it says retracted, and then, yeah. The new message. Yeah, I'm seeing the same thing on my end. So, Blaze, thanks for that clarification on the, the new feature there. One of the other portions that I found was kind of interesting is that it looks like they did a very, very subtle update to the feeds as well. In the feed section for BBM channels, there is now a share. Well, they had a share button previously, but there's also like a comment like button, which were also there, but they added in a chat button. So if there's a particular piece of content or, you know, an offer that's on a BBM channel and the channel owner allows, you know, active chats, you can chat directly with them from the individual posting rather than going to the post, hitting the channel avatar, hitting the message, and then, you know, messaging the channel owner. So that little bit of refinement there as well with what we heard on the Blast BBM beta for iOS that they were going to add in a BBM channel buy now button kind of shows that they're working a little bit on maybe beefing up some of the stuff on channels there. And we've seen some kind of like trickle-in things coming here and there over the past couple months in terms of channels. That's really just a feed update, not necessarily a channels one, but it shows that they're paying more attention, obviously, to that type of content as well. Some pretty cool stuff there. Some things that uh, I think were clarified between the first webcast that BlackBerry did on the DTEK50 and the Q&A is that this device actually does have, as Blaze mentioned, an LED light. It's not an RGB LED light, but it does have a single white flashing LED light. So you're not going to lose that on the DTEK50 device either. That's a good point for clarification. A lot of people were bummed about it. I know we had a Twitter kind of conversation going on uh, about why they got rid of it, but that is there. I wonder if that was something they added on or it was just kind of there in the hardware already. It'd be interesting to, to, to know some details on what was really in that initial uh, kind of a concept and reference design that they used. But I'm glad I think it's there. It's already there. Yeah, you'd imagine they'd want to go for something that super kind of fits the bill, so to speak. Blaze, have you downloaded that uh, Marshmallow beta yet? Has it rolled out to your uh, to your GSM device? 
Yeah, it. Um, I basically have to kind of like echo some of the stuff that I read from others in the Crackberry forums. It actually feels like the UI got a little bit smoother on this beta update. That that's pretty much the only thing that I've seen um, that is you know is visible, of course. It's it seems like the UI is a little bit faster. Yeah, it's say snappy. Snap, say snappy. The animations yeah. snappy. <laughs> the animations are a little bit faster now. And, and normally I go into you know through the developer options and change my my um, yeah the how fast that the the animations are relayed. But I went in and I shut it off, and it seems like from what I recall on the on the previously the animations are faster when they're actually set on the default options versus going into the developer options and changing them out so I mean that's good because I mean even even if it is just perception it makes the UI seem a little bit quicker so they obviously address something um, and of course it, it you know that update includes the the August um, security patches already from Google, which is interesting. I still don't quite understand that. How does how does BlackBerry how does BlackBerry go ahead and push out these operating systems in beta form with the Google patches for the next month already in place? You would think that Google has some rule against that. I know that they have agreements like when when BlackBerry issues their patches officially and basically they put out an article saying what was patched. And it usually, nine times out of ten, comes out at the exact same time that the Google update comes, right? Because they coordinate it. They put it out. Like It's almost like BlackBerry can't say anything about what was patched until Google actually says something. Yeah, because you don't want people what was exploiting patched. that stuff before the fix is out, you know? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. But in that respect, how does how does BlackBerry have the authorization from Google to push it out I thought in every, form? I thought everyone gets it, like, a significant early yes. amount everybody of time. Yes, everybody gets it. Just, everybody yeah. gets it, like everybody gets it but not everybody releases it. You no, know because, I mean? like, dude, did you... Did you hear like BlackBerry mo- is the only organization that has it that actually pushes it out to a certain subset of users, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I I'm trying to think. I don't know if it was Motorola. I'm going to say Motorola, but please don't take this name like to uh, someone. They essentially said we are not going to support all of our devices with the monthly security yeah, patches Motorola. because it's too much work, and that's what they said. It's just too much work. Yeah. That was Lon- that was project. Lenovo that said that. I believe. Yeah. So but, uh, Lenovo. I mean, BlackBerry has one Literally Android device right now to to be doing this for, so it's it's probably not that much work for them to do that and then beta. Like, I think the biggest amount of time that, that they have to deal with that's a pain in the butt is going through carriers to push things out, these security patches out. So in beta form, well, yeah. it's like there's no carrier they have to deal with at all. Well, I mean, I'm not getting the beta updates because I'm in AT&T, and it always excludes AT&T and Verizon, but... Um, yeah, I, I think it's not that big of a deal to put the patch in there, especially with the way that BlackBerry's doing things. I don't know. Yeah, and the, the, the amount of devices that they have to deal with. Yeah. As time goes on, it'll... Can, it's all, I don't know. One of the things I think As it time is, goes on, it's going to increase, because they're only, they have two devices yeah. now. They went from it's one twice to two. as much work. Eventually, they're going to hit three. <laughs> Exponential, man. One of the things that I think is part of contributing to that as well is that these other companies are probably a little bit behind on even like going and knowing how to fix some of these issues, you know? Because it probably requires, you know, hours and research and then figuring out, you know, okay, well, this is what we need to know. This is where on the code we have to go. Here's how we do it without breaking everything else, you know? And it's probably a lot of work, like probably monotonous meaning, menial work, you know? Like not like significantly difficult, but it will take time to do. And BlackBerry is probably already focused and looking at those areas already that it's easy for them to kind of jump on it and get it done, you know? Because yeah. they're already kind of in that lens. They're already kind of looking that direction. One thing to keep in consideration, right? <laughs> Consumer companies don't want to have to worry about security, right? That's why they got put to, <laughs> to Google. Like, Google, shouldn't you fix this? Like, why are we responsible for it, you know? One of, a, one of those tough places, really, for these device manufacturers. Blaze is right. It's only going to get more... And more prevalent out there. One thing, like I see, I continue seeing it happen. Right, I'm at the movie theater, and we're sitting prior to watching Star Trek Beyond. No spoilers coming, so no worries. But I'm walking 
and I, I'm finally sit down, and the first thing that pops up is this, like, put your cell phone away. Like, they could be watching you, you know? They could be accessing your microphone, type of, like, scare tactic ad, very similar to what Blackberry's kind of doing these days. And I found it kind of interesting that the propelling conversation that's going to be coming forward in shows like Mr. Robot, in movies that are coming out, is the security that the weakest area, or the most vulnerable piece of kind of current digital age self is our digital selves, right? That there's so many other outlets that could be, you know, hurt. And Blaze, I know you, did you actually see Star Trek Beyond? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> well, think about, like, the key security breakdown that they had in that movie, right? And in the yeah. middle of the movie, I'm thinking to myself, damn, if they were running BlackBerry, this might not have happened, you know? <laughs> in, in a joking way, but it's like that kind of, damn, if BlackBerry was here, you know, if people knew about BlackBerry, right, uh, BlackBerry services and software, that they would really be able to maybe start, you know, keeping themselves away. But even still, right, Star Trek is a show that's potentially, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years into the future, yet they're still working on cybersecurity, right, in the future. So it shows you kind of the footprint that's growing for BlackBerry, and Blaze is right when he says, you know, this is just going to be a story that continues to uh, propel from here. So, uh, Blaze, tell us about this poll you all did on CrackBerry. How many people are actually, you know, pre-ordering the BlackBerry DTEC 50? Uh, let me actually go back to this poll because, to be honest, I haven't looked at it recently. When I looked at it, it was, I believe there was like 50% or something like that, somewhere around there. Uh, but let me go ahead and bring it up here. Yeah, I'm viewing the results, too. I'm actually casting my vote as we speak. You can check that out on CrackBerry. <laughs> put your input in. Um, so, I mean, right now, given, given everything that we know with it, uh, 48% said that they're probably not going to be pre-ordering it, but 24% said that they would be. And the interesting part there, of course, in respect to the 48% saying no, is that when you take the the amount of people that said yes and the people that said undecided for now, if you add those up, it goes well over the, the 47, 48% that said no. So there's yeah. the possibility. It's like 60-40 basically between yeses yeah. and undecideds and nos. And that's on yeah. you know 5,000 plus you know super, super diehard faithful fans. So that's a pretty pretty good sentiment, right? If they could convert that number, that's a decent amount of sales. Yeah, I mean obviously like – for me, I I obviously went ahead and ordered two of them right away. But you know, there's yeah. going to be people out there that are going to be, you know, taking a look at it, waiting for the all of the reviews to come up, and and you know, looking at the position at that point in time because there's quite a lot of people out there who actually do, you know, their pre-purchase planning uh, well ahead of time, and and not everybody jumps into the the water as soon as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think it's going to be one of those things where it, it's probably going to be a device that does pretty well for BlackBerry in the long term. Hoping so. It's a good price. It's one of the better prices they have. And it's put to market very similarly to the Leap, right? This device, that device wasn't really in carriers in the U.S., I don't think at all. But, you know, it yeah, wasn't in Canadian Honestly, I think they did a better job this time of, of getting it out there because nobody really knew about the Leap. Nobody really cared about the Leap. Mm -mm. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things... Also, I find that there's there's a little bit of just in my general outlook on things. I mean, going across Facebook and stuff like that. I mentioned it a little bit of it before, but the tech media has been a little bit nicer in terms of BlackBerry on this one. But there's still there's still some of that negative sentiment kicking around. You know, the 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 bewildered company or the beleaguered company has released mm -hmm. another device, but when I, if you take a moment and you step outside of the tech world and you look on like Facebook for like regular people like for for me on my on my personal Facebook maybe it's just an algorithm thing or whatever but you know at one point after the announcements DTech 50 was actually trending on Facebook for me so I decided to go ahead and click on it and figure out you know where was this trending coming from and obviously, there was a lot of um, you know hands-on first looks with it from some of the larger media that didn't necessarily 
care that it was a BlackBerry device. You know, you're never going to hear from this media again talking about the DTEC 50. You know, they got their their announcement post out, they got their hands on out, and you're never going to hear from them again. Like they don't give a <laughs> shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're gonna they've already moved on to whatever else, right? But the sentiment outside of you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when you actually look at like the real comments, there was a lot of real people not within the media organizations going, oh, wow, that actually looks like a really cool device, or that's interesting, or, you know, I wonder how BlackBerry will fare with this one, or, you know, oh, it's not a BlackBerry 10 device, I'm kind of interested in this one. Like, the comments were actually really positive from those not within the media organizations or anything like that. These are just like regular people on Facebook who happen to use a hashtag or were referencing, you know, one of the hands-on articles or whatever the case may be. Just general comments, right, from regular everyday people. And it's like, okay, maybe there is a little bit more to this. And, I mean, my mother, even my mother messaged me. She was like, um, my stepdad basically needs a new phone. He's like in the position... And my mother, who, she doesn't even read Crackberry. Like, she doesn't know to, to log on to Crackberry and read this stuff. But, like, she must have caught, like, some sort of news article somewhere along the line that, and saw that BlackBerry released a, a new device. And she's, like, messaging me on Facebook. She's, like, Quentin needs a new phone. How about this BlackBerry DTEC 50? And I'm, like, I don't have one yet. It's on its way. Ask yeah. me in a few days. And she's, like, oh, okay. Well, let me know, because he needs a new phone, and this one looks like it's pretty cool, so let me know about it. And that's my mom, right? Like, mm -hmm. my mom knows what I do on a daily basis, but she doesn't actually, like, log on to CrackBerry and follow every BlackBerry piece of news. Like, so how did this, how did the Detect 50 information oh, get to her, like, right? We can't get her on and, the podcast? Man, that's a bummer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, why is she showing an interest in it? It's not just because, you know... He needs a new phone at this point because he's been rocking a Nexus and a Passport and other devices previously. So it, it, you know, there was there was something about that device that made her want to message me and ask me about it specifically, right? So I don't I know, man. Nexus. I thought Alex was going to jump out of his skin. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. I think I think there's a little bit more there outside of the general tech media than what is you know, essentially being presented. Like, the tech media is the tech media. You know, they're going to they're gonna look at the device, they're going to pick up the next one and move on. You know, it, it comes out to the real people on the streets. You know, are the real people on the streets going to end up buying this device? I think there's a good possibility that a, a good number of them will. And it, it's not going to be, you know, if you start reading the negative comments on... on various places. I don't think it's that bad of a scenario for BlackBerry. I actually think it's a very good scenario for BlackBerry with the DTEC 50 despite the terrible name. <laughs> you know, and it's it just shows you the road go they're there. going down. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, last show podcast we joked if it was named DTEC 50 you know, this podcast is over and, and ironically, right, we, we, un, we stomach the name now to continue yeah. doing this because in a sad way, we knew, right? When the FCC says marketing name DTEC 50, it's like, you know, you just don't want to accept it, you know? <laughs> and that kind of uh, echoes Blaze's sentiment as well. Alex, do you think this has any potential for BlackBerry? Like, what would you have done differently if you were BlackBerry launching this phone? Because honestly, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even push the price lower, you know? Because that's something they can do in time. You know, I, I wouldn't, you know, 250, you know? Like, what's 50 bucks, you know? If you're going to buy it, you're going to buy it. In terms of, you know, if you were in the, uh, if you weren't even in what was going on, right, like, if you were there at BlackBerry as CEO, what would you have done differently in terms of putting this device to market? Anything really, like, would you have gone from a higher megapixel front camera, like, no small tweaks? No, I mean, I think it's competitive enough. I mean, did they even have that much of a choice with it? Like, if, if they're using, essentially, like, a rebranded Alcatel, like, can they really do too much to modify it? Without, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's it fine. The question. Well, here's we the thing: they, they could do whatever they wanted. It just depends on how much money do they want well, to spend to be able to go ahead and do that. Yeah. Like yeah. For, for me, I would have I would have ponied up the cash and put a red LED in there. <laughs> it's not a huge deal, but I mean, when when previous advertisements from BlackBerry have concentrated on the fact that 
the red blinking light was a part of the addiction as to why you should buy a BlackBerry, then you should probably consider ponying up the cash to put a red LED in the majority of your devices, right? Like, come on. But, you know, it's got a white one. That's cool. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, I would have liked a little bit bigger battery. It's like when you sell it with a travel battery, are you saying the battery life is bad? Like, you know, that can come off in two different ways. Like, oh, man, I can play Pokemon Go yeah. forever, or my phone doesn't have that great a battery. Maybe yeah, sticking in the 3,000 milliamp range, I mean, how much more would it have cost you? Uh, I digress from there, but that's maybe something I would have tweaked. Alex loves the phone as is. He's already pre-ordered seven, so he's good to go. <laughs> one of my family members. <laughs> I'm interested to see how BlackBerry's Android performs in the all-touch form factor. That I am interested about. So time will tell. Uh, obviously, yeah. we'll be working that's on that. That's a good point because, I mean, there's going to be code there that's not not essentially used, right? They could probably clean up some of the stuff that is in there. Mm-hmm. But they have the convenience key, too, so, like, some of that stuff is kind of there as well, but maybe not so much. You know, like, all the touch-enabled keyboard stuff probably doesn't need to be there anymore. So, oh, yeah, Every, everybody's probably, like, wondering, like, why doesn't Crackberry have a hands-on up yet? Well, basically, because I, I address this in the forums, but, one, there's not really any rush to go ahead and get it out there because, obviously, as I stated, I do have several DTAC 50s on the way. <laughs> Some of them are for contests, um, and the other is essentially a review unit from BlackBerry. But unfortunately, it there was some shipping delays, so that explains as to why there's no actual review up as of yet on CrackBerry. But here's the thing: everybody else has a hands-on up yet. Nobody has a review. By the time I get around to it, it's going to be a review that will be one, that I spent some time with the device, not, you know, two yeah. hours fiddling around with it and tossing up a hands-on and calling it a day. So, also keep in mind that, like like I said earlier, some of the tech media has their hands-on up, and they have their initial opinions, but you're never going to hear from them again about another DTEC 50 article until, you know, BlackBerry releases the next device. So, keep that in mind. We... We have, have one device to work with that has to basically be on CrackBerry for like the next, until the next device is released. So not, ne- not necessarily in any rush to go ahead and get some, something half-assed out there. So. Another thing to think as well is there's this alleged Argon device coming in like two or three months as well, right? So really? who knows? BlackBerry may just go running or they may tailor back and hunker down. Really, it's going to depend on how the 50 does, right? We will see. Time will tell. We're going to be back next week, starting off August. We're almost done season seven of Upstream, guys. We're about to roll into number eight. 16 episodes per season. It's going to be kind of nuts, though. Definitely some interesting things to keep in line there. Let's just hop on a quick after show. Let's talk about Dan Dodge, QNX, and Apple in our after show. Check us out on Patreon if you want to get some access to that. Otherwise, we will catch you all next week. Later, guys. Later. Peace out.